Amen. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 5. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 1,379, Daniel chapter 5, page 1,379. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temples in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. And they drank the wine, and they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen Hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your, your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, 
The Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. These are the words of him who holds in his hand your very life and all your ways. May they prepare your hearts for his coming. 66 years had passed by since Daniel and his friends were taken captive to Babylon, along with the vessels from the temple of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar, he has been dead for approximately 13 years now, and Daniel had lost favor in the throne room of Babylon. A man named Nabonidus had taken the crown, yet he couldn't capture the heart of the people. You see, he was apathetic towards Marduk, the god of the people. Instead, he focused his worship on the god named Sin, the moon god. And this Nabonidus, he was an absent king as well. He had left the capital city for ten years in pursuit of this god named Sin. And in doing so, he neglected the Akitu festival, which was the New Year's celebration of the god Marduk. And this left the people in the city in a lurch, because the festival could not take place unless the king presided over it. So the priests and most of the people viewed Nabonidus as both a heretic and a negligent king. 
Now the first words in Daniel chapter 5 are King Belshazzar. You see, in this 10-year absence of Nabonidus, he made it, he appointed his son Belshazzar co-regent over Babylon. Yet Belshazzar was not much better than his father. He only thought about himself. And for, for 10 years, he did maintain control over the city, but trouble was brewing. Just days before Belshazzar's feast that we just read about, King Cyrus, king of the Persians, he had defeated Nabonidus at Sippar, just 50 miles away from the walls of Babylon. And now his armies had surrounded the city. And this, this is the setting of our story. Yet even though the city was surrounded and besieged, there's no reason to think that Belshazzar was overly concerned. Remember, from last week, we talked about the walls of the city, and they provided 57 feet worth of defensive depth. Plus, the Euphrates River ran through the city, so they did not lack water, and they had more than a year's supply of food. But it's not only the walls of this city that Belshazzar took his confidence in. He also had his gods to protect him. And he honored them by recounting their past victories over foreign deities. One such god that the Babylonians thought they had defeated was Yahweh, the god of the Jews. Belshazzar, he, he ordered his servants to bring out the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of the Lord. And in mockery, this king, his nobles, his wives, his concubines, they, they drank wine from these sacred vessels and used them in the worship of these materialistic gods. In this act, he had blasphemed the name of the Lord. But not only that, he had committed idolatry at the same time. But to this king, this night was like any other night, filled with revelry as he celebrated with his nobles and his, his brides and his concubines, and he worshipped his false gods. The city was surrounded, but he didn't fear for his life. He trusted in his man-made wall and in his false gods. Yet he was unaware that danger was so close to him. In our first scripture reading, we, we read a similar situation. Matthew 24 Verses 36 through 39. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. Now, according to the Apostle Peter, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. God had commanded this man to build an ark. And for 100 years, Noah, he, he toiled in its construction. And for 100 years, this ark was a signpost to the people of the coming destruction. Judgment was coming upon them. 
yet none of them heeded Noah's call to repent. They just continued on as if God really didn't care about how they lived. When the flood came, all were were surprised, and all were taken away. The city of Babylon was surrounded by armies, and in his arrogance, Belshazzar was unconcerned. Instead of defending his city, he held a feast, and he blasphemed the Most High God in the process. Let's pick up our story in verse 5. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The Lord knows all things, and he was not, aware, he was not unaware of Belshazzar's blasphemy. The hand of God appeared near the lampstand for all to see, and he wrote his message to this king. Now, now in the ancient Near East, when an army was returning from war, they would, they would cut off the right hands of all the dead and bring them back to give a casualty, casualty count for the people. Now, Belshazzar, he may, he may have been celebrating Nebuchadnezzar's victory over the land of Judah, but this hand of Yahweh, it is alive and well. This is the same hand that scribed the Ten Commandments into the stone on Mount Sinai. These same fingers are the ones that brought about the plagues in Egypt. And this same hand is the one that created the heavens and the earth. This hand now now appears before Belshazzar with a message. And this king, he is literally shaking in his boots, as he rightly should have been. So he summons his magicians to read the writing on the wall. He offers gifts and high honor to the one who can interpret it for him. Yet once again, we see that these wise men of Babylon, they cannot help the king, for their gods are not real. They had not been given knowledge and understanding from the Lord. And they did not have the Holy Spirit residing in them to help them in this way. Belshazzar was at a loss, and his fear continued to grow. Yet in his time of need, the queen enters in. Now this queen was most likely his mother. She enters the banquet hall, and she gives timely advice. Verse 10. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that, like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, 
was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. <coughs> Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. Daniel was not totally forgotten. Though Nabonidus had no use for him, his impact on Nebuchadnezzar and on the empire was still remembered. And now, even though Daniel, he was an old man, probably in his 80s, the Holy Spirit still continued to work through this prophet. You see, God had gifted Daniel with the knowledge and understanding that Belshazzar needed. God provided the message, and God has now provided an interpreter for his word. So Daniel was brought before the king. And Belshazzar offers him the same gifts and the same title that he offered his wise men, if he can interpret the writing on the wall. How does Daniel respond to the king? Verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Daniel cared nothing for these gifts. You see, he already knew the fate of this king, and he knew that these gifts of his, they were worthless. Belshazzar, he did not know who this Daniel was, but Daniel knew Belshazzar. He understood how foolish this king was, caring nothing for his people. He only thought about himself. And Daniel knew that the city was surrounded and that this king, he, he decided to throw a party in the midst of trouble. Now, now Nebuchadnezzar, yes, he was a proud and arrogant man, but he did look after his people and he ruled with the best interests of the empire in mind. This is what made Nebuchadnezzar such a great man and great king. Yet Belshazzar, on the other hand, he demonstrated his failings as a ruler, thinking only of himself and his own wants. And this is plainly demonstrated in this banquet that we see here. But before Daniel interprets this message for the king, he delivers to the king God's stinging rebuke. Look at verse 18. O king, the, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those the king wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. 
Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. To truly understand Daniel chapter 5, it must be contrasted with Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar, he was arrogant, but God humbled this man to the point of repentance. And Belshazzar, he knew all of this, yet he did not learn from it. Instead, he waged war with the Lord of heaven, and he blasphemed the name of God by misusing the goblets from the temple. He took sacred items and used them in common and unholy ways. Now, there are three sins that Daniel points out to this king. And these sins, they're, they're progressive in nature. In other words, the first leads to the second, which leads to the third. First, Belshazzar was arrogant. He did not humble himself as Nebuchadnezzar did. He put himself above the people, and he put himself above God. This sin is all too common and it's the first step for many wicked paths. <clears throat> Our culture today, we excel in arrogance. We, we elevate our own importance far above the importance that God has placed upon us. Autonomy is the new catchphrase. Autonomy, it basically means freedom from control or influence. It means independence. We don't want to have anyone telling us what to do. So we avoid authorities, authority figures, and we make up our own rules to each his own, right? Belshazzar, he, he did not view God as his authority, and therefore he lived for his own pleasure. Second, Belshazzar's pride led him to blaspheme God. In his arrogance, he mocked the Lord by misusing the goblets from the temple. These were holy objects that were only supposed to be used in the worship of Yahweh. But this king, he, he handled them in an unholy manner. This is a form of blasphemy. He took sacred things and corrupted them. Now, now we typically think of blasphemy as speaking God's name in anger or in derision. And that is a form of blasphemy. But the heart of this sin is to misrepresent your creator. Again, this is all too common today. In our autonomous society, everyone has created his or her own God. You don't like the God of the Bible? Well, there are plenty of other religions out there for you. But maybe you still want to identify yourself as a Christian. Well, let's just pick and choose the sections of this book that we like, and we'll discard the rest. 
Or you could take a postmodern approach to it. We'll, we'll take the whole book. We'll just change the meaning of the words to whatever fits your fancy, whatever agrees with your particular cultural setting. Forget about authorial intent, intent and forget about the true meaning of words. In each of these approaches, who defines what is true? Not God, but you. Belshazzar, he, he thought Yahweh was dead, and he mocked God by mishandling the sacred vessels. Finally, this king, he commits idolatry. He did not honor the God in, in whose hand holds his very life. Instead, he worshipped the material things of this world. You see, blasphemy, it leads to idolatry. Again, our autonomous society cannot stand the God of the Bible. So they have chosen to blaspheme the Lord by distorting his word and creating their own image of who God is. And in doing so, they, they have in essence created a God that looks like themselves. They no longer worship the creator, but they worship the creation. They might as well just look in the mirror and bow down to themselves. Will you humble yourself before the authority of God's word? Are you willing to accept that the God revealed in scripture, are you willing to accept that God even when his word speaks things that grade against what you deem to be right and true? Or are you going to create your own idol modeled after your own image? Daniel, he's, he's acting as a true prophet here. He does not fear the power of the king, but he rebukes this man's sin, and he delivers God's message to him. Look at verse 25. This is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is a play on words that God chose to use. In both ancient Hebrew and ancient Aramaic, their, their alphabets, they had no vowel indicators. And so the spelling of a word could have different meanings depending on the vowel sounds that you place between the consonants. And usually these, these different words, they were related to one another, but it was the context of the sentence that would give the person the definition. So mene could have meant the noun mina, which was a weight measurement of 50 shekels. But the verb form mene means numbered. As a noun, tekel also was a measurement of weight, one shekel. Yet as a verb, tekel means weighed in the balances and found wanting. In other words, to be, to be short of a desired weight. And finally, parson, 
which is the plural form of Paris. As a noun, it meant a half shekel. Yet as a verb, it means divided, hence one half. Parson also is a play on words because it sounds very similar to Persian, the army that had surrounded the city. So in the days of Belshazzar's reign, they had been numbered. And, the, and he had been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And his kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Belshazzar, he's been rebuked and given a swift judgment from God. This king, he gives to Daniel the gifts that he promises and he elevates them to that third highest position in the kingdom. But these things, they would not last through the night. They were worthless. For Darius the Mede would soon enter into the city and put to death Belshazzar. Now, we're not exactly sure who this Darius the Mede, who he was. It may have been another name for Cyrus the Great, since Cyrus' mother was from Media. But he could have been an underling of Cyrus as well, who was just put in charge of the Babylonian Empire. Um, the history books are very unclear as to who he was. But it doesn't matter. Either way, what matters is that God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and he places over them anyone he wishes. He, he can depose a king in a single night, even in the most fortified of cities. You see, the people of Babylon, they, they did not fight against Cyrus. Rather, they welcomed him in as their liberator. Remember Nabonidus? Him and Belshazzar, they did not care for their people or for their God. And Cyrus, he promised them freedom in a renewed worship of the god Marduk. It's told that as Cyrus rode his chariots into the city, that the people were celebrating on the streets. Babylon, this insurmountable fortress, was toppled in one night. And in a single night, destruction came to King Belshazzar. He refused to learn from Nebuchadnezzar, and he rejected God's instruction, and it cost him his life. In the days of Noah, people rejected the message that came from the ark. And in one night, the flood took them all away. Matthew 24, verses 40 through 42. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Brothers and sisters, the judgment of God is a double-edged sword. To one, it is death and destruction. Yet to the other, it is liberation. Both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar had been given the word of God. Nebuchadnezzar repented of his wicked ways and was restored to greater prominence. Belshazzar refused to bend the knee, and death came to him. God has given you his word as well. 
It will either be the stench of death or the fragrance that brings life. Dear friends, judgment has been placed on this world and it will come at an hour that you do not expect. Yet for you who are in Christ, it is a day to rejoice. It is a day of freedom. For a greater Cyrus has come to you. Jesus is your liberator. He died for your arrogance. And he was pierced for your blasphemies. He was crucified for your idolatries. He offers you forgiveness for your sins. He brings deliverance from the cruelness of this world of ours. He offers freedom from these corrupted bodies and promises the precious gift of new and glorified bodies. He rules a kingdom that cannot be toppled, for it's built on an unshakable foundation. And all you who enter in will see face to face the glory and the power of your God. You see, God is your avenger. In his hand, he holds the world and judges it. And by his hand, he sets up kings and deposes them. And from his hand, he offers liberation for his people. He offers to you freedom. For it was God's hand of judgment that fell upon Christ in which you have been set free. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your justice. The doom that should have been placed upon our heads was delivered to the cross. Your son took up that burden for our sake, yet he rose from the dead and now sits at your right hand. He will one day come back to us, and, and we who are in him will celebrate on the streets, welcoming in our Savior King. For now, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Sanctify our hearts. Remove us of our pride. Take away all our blasphemies. Abolish our idolatries. Help us to understand the writing that is on the wall. We pray this in Jesus' name.